Welcome to DT Madness, Chronicles from the Third Life, Episode 5, May 1st, 2022. So glad you could make it. Well, to still a line from my friend Shane McGrath on whose podcast I launched my career into local politics, uh, Shane would always welcome his tens of listeners. And I know my tens of listeners have been waiting with bated breath for episode five. So I apologize for the day delay, but it has been a busy week with tennis regionals and scholarships and after school review sessions for AP exams, prom, announcing baseball games and, you know, being the mayor and stuff. So, yeah, here we are. And speaking of waiting, many of us are waiting and and have been for a decade now for the next installment of Patrick Rothfuss' King Killer Chronicles. I bring that up because the main character at the end of the second book, Wise Man's Fear, in the supposed trilogy, takes a single perfect step. And readers are left curious as to what that may mean. The episode today is about what steps we think are important. How's that for a lead-in? I've titled the episode, Significant Steps. Webster says that significant carries with it a notion that something is worthy of attention. And I'll have to give you fair warning. Attention and paying attention is beginning to permeate my outlook as of late. But let's get on with it. Here are the five steps that I was going to go with. Step one, have lots of fun. Step two, there's so much we can do. Step three, it's just you and me. Step four, I can give you more. Step five, don't you know that the time has arrived? Step by step, ooh, baby. But it turns out that some group named the New Kids on the Block already did this. Just a little JK. I uh, I didn't have a poster. I wasn't a poster guy for the for the New Kids, but I did listen to them. I was hanging tough, and I was a Joey guy. JT's got nothing on him. Uh, insert smirk emoji. <laughs> but anyway, five steps is too many for me. Uh, anyway, I'm more of a three kind of guy. One more preface before we get into what I think are the three most significant steps we can take, and that is to offer a qualification that came from my friend and colleague, Mr. Quinn, uh, who's an art teacher at the high school, that the steps are different depending on your strengths. If you're not a finisher, you know, if, if it's easy for you to get started, but you're not a finisher, then that step of completion may be salient. If you have trouble getting started, then, well, you you get the idea. Thank you, Mr. Quinn, and and to all of you who kept throwing phenomenal perspectives at me over this past week, like my daughter who points out that too often we emphasize the landmark steps, you know, like beginning into ninth grade or the first year of middle school or graduation steps, things like that. But it's it's the ones in between that, that often have so much impact. You know, I'd think I'd had it all wrapped up this this episode, and then you'd make me consider and reconsider. 
But if you know me, then doing that makes me glad indeed. But the three most significant steps. Number one, I think, and is a step back. And this was my original answer to the question posed by Mr. Good uh, a year ago now. A step back. And there's a couple different ways to think about that. I think that corporately, we would be served well to take a step back. Currently, we seem to be plunging headlong into whatever is the latest thing to be outraged over. Not a lot of considering and reconsidering going on. Whether it's politics or religion or education or ecology or the combination of all of those things, there's a a mob mentality that seems to have taken firm root thanks to social media and the ability to seek out whatever information you need to support your narrative and then roll on with it loudly as though you were the one that knew it all along. And with so much vitriol, seeing the other as the enemy to be hated, destroyed even. To borrow a line from Isbel, I've I've read the good book, studied it too. I love Jesus and I hate you. Those don't go together. And of course, we're deluded into believing that we're the ones doing our own research when in all reality, that research is being hand delivered to us at the speed of light. Thank you, Facebook algorithms. I think perhaps a great challenge, maybe the greatest, I don't know, perhaps a great challenge of the 21st century will be to try and regain our humanity amidst the swell of targeted and massaged information and its replications and mutations. How do we remember who we are with the cyclonic noise that is consistently raging around us? But it isn't just around us, it's within us. So the the great need to take a step back to consider and reconsider is within us. It's within me. Mary Oliver writes in her poem, Mysteries, Yes, Let me keep my distance always from those who think they have the answers. Let me keep company always with those who say, look and laugh in astonishment and bow their heads. Because I I can't call on other people to take a step back. I can't call on other parents to take a step back in how they react at sports ball games. If I don't reflect on my own reaction, like how I hollered out at the tennis match this past Tuesday. I need to reflect to take stock of my my own motivations, and my own, uh, well, madness. My friend Jane is so good at this. She has this innate ability to to take a step back. I respect that. Because Because I have to battle. We should wage war against the notion that the problem is out there, that I am the good guy and have it figured out. Because that tension, it's within me. The struggle is within me, just as much personally as it is corporately. And, you know, honestly, this thought here is just coming to mind right now in this moment. So I ask for grace to perhaps rephrase or revise. But I think considering and reconsidering is what prayer is at its essence. Seeking. Anyway, the first significant step, I think, is a step back. The second step, the second step that is worthy of our attention, that is significant, is a step in. 
Now, there's a, a physical aspect of this to start off that honestly could fit in with step three. Of course, they could all fit in with step three as it is the only step, uh, the, the foreshadowing. But the physical aspect of this, I have to tell you about a couple of tennis matches. My, my son, Sam, has been playing tennis since he was in sixth grade, and he and the guys he's been playing with since that long have, have, are wrapping up their senior season. And my boy, he, he lays it all on the line. He, he is invested. He gives everything. Um, we, we joke that he runs into the fence or dives on the ground at least once a match. It's not really a joke. He, he really does. He gives everything he's got. And, you know, his junior year, they lost to their best friends and teammates in the conference championship and in doubles. And they did again this year. They made it all the way, repeat, same situation. And there was heartbreak. You know, there was there was heartbreak. But we are playing in a team tournament this time, and Sam was playing up in the mountains against Wes Henderson, and he was playing this kid who was kind of fiery, and he took him out early in the first set, and the other kid rallied back and won the second set, and he had to play a tiebreaker where he faced a match point. But he overcame it. He battled through it, and Sam was victorious that day. And this past weekend got a bit of, uh, not revenge, it's, it's their friends, but got a little bit of uh, uh, satisfaction by beating their teammates that had, that had beaten them before in, in the regional finals for, to, to claim third place. Hickory is the real deal. But in both of those instances, there was a physical step in. I am have to say I was proud of myself in both of those instances where I could tell my son was dealing with with the heartbreak, but also with with the immense joy and jubilation. I resisted the urge to inject myself into the scene and instead just waited. But then Sam took a step towards me and I took a step in towards him and we embraced in a hug of consolation in the first instance, in a hug of celebration. So there is this stepping in that, that carries a physical aspect to it. But the bulk of what I want to discuss of this step, stepping in or stepping into, is a bit different from that. I've mentioned Mr. Good, uh, Donnie. He is the one who inspired this podcast because uh, he raised this question. And you know what? He's inspired so many students. You can see it in their eyes, the students. You can see it in their gates, the way they walk. They have confidence and they have freedom to think, to consider and reconsider. And they're learning the critical skills to be able to do that better and better. The kids in his class uh, wrote essays offering their ideas about what they thought were the most significant steps. And so many good answers from these kids talking about the first steps and the next steps and even missteps. How about that for a whole other episode? And steps that choose happiness and ones that, uh, that, that force you to consider your legacy. And final steps, though finality is not a real thing. <laughs> I'll have to get into that later, but that thought stems from 
some back and forth Gooden I had over the idea of letting go. See, he even inspires me to think. And Quinn, who I mentioned earlier, has, has kids offering up that same expression, but just in a different format. Or Bryant, who has my daughter excited about school, about class, the first thing in the morning. Excited because of her energetic and creative approaches to teaching. Or Jones and the relationships that she's able to build. Or Rice or Lel or Champion, who, who doesn't have a kid playing tennis, but comes to away matches, our away matches, to support the kids playing tennis. Or Waycaster, who is teaching kids how to be carpenters, but but teaching them life skills beyond measuring and cutting. I, I have to inject a, a quote from Henry David Thoreau. It, I often say this is my favorite quote. I, I write it in yearbooks of kids almost every year. But Thoreau says, Could a greater miracle take place than for us to look through each other's eyes for an instant? If I could see through your eyes, if I could feel what it is like to be in your consciousness. And that's what liberal arts are about. That's what education is about with history and literature, you know, and language and theology and philosophy. And it it gives me perspective. It helps me to, to get outside of myself. I don't understand what it's like to be someone else, especially someone that has tremendous differences culturally, whatever. But reading and writing and thinking, processing this information, being challenged with other ideas and having to learn how to wrestle with those things respectfully and constructively, critically, that's education. That's what we do. And it's not just that type of thinking. We do offer skills. These kids are getting out of our classrooms with the ability to think, with the ability to weld, with the ability to plant and, and reap, with the ability to balance equations, whatever it is. Manage a checkbook. Checkbook. That's funny. Right. But, but, but deal with personal finances. They are learning that stuff. So I'm stepping in. This is what I mean by step two, stepping in. I'm stepping in for public education. You know, mostly I avoid partisanship. I don't exploit it. I don't have to as mayor. It's a nonpartisan race. And I try as best I can to avoid it when I'm teaching my government classes. I have for my 20-year my career. We examine different ideas, and I don't, but I don't, I don't push those on them. At least I don't do so consciously. And I definitely want to continue to take a step back. I don't want to march in with the same scorched earth tactics that have us in this quagmire in the first place. But I do want to use my voice for what it's worth to step in and stand up for public education and maybe in particular public educators. It's going on across the country, but even in my own county, we have individuals running for school board who are openly advocating for burning the whole system down. Speaking of scorched earth. Look, do, do we have problems that need to be addressed? Of course we do. It's, it's what we do. We consider and reconsider. We're humans. And we have evolving challenges that in many respects are unprecedented and of late unpredictable. Our family and institutions and the support and structures that they provide 
are broken in many ways. And that's a tragedy that we see unfold. Literacy is not just reading and writing anymore. It's digital literacy that is changing at the speed of light overnight. So, you know what? Don't just chirp on Facebook. Get in the game. Help us break the cycles. Help us reform the institutions, not burn them down. It's too easy to rest in your self-selected faction and engage in group polarization. It takes courage, humility, and humanity to break out of that polarization to see someone else. But if and when you do, if and when we do, the other is more willing to open their eyes as well. Then maybe we can realize we're not so other after all. But with all that, I'll say, yes, there is a time to step back and reflect. And a truly significant step also is to step forward, to step up, maybe. I say step in, to engage. And I will increasingly and more openly advocate and come to the defense of my colleagues. I trust these people with my kids' development, with their lives. And day in and day out, they deliver. Whew. Okay. All right, I guess it's time for a break here. Get myself settled back down a little bit. But uh, yeah, the questions for today, the kind of random questions, I think I've got some good ones as we take a break from stepping. What's What's the golden zone? for eye contact when you're passing another. I mean, like you see them coming, you're walking down a hallway, perhaps it's just you and them. You're walking down a hallway and you may be hundreds of yards away or a hundred yards away. So you know, and they know, how close do you get? You don't want to make eye contact too early. You don't want to wait till too late, but like you don't want to, if you make eye contact too early, then it becomes awkward. Some people just don't make eye contact at all, you know? They keep their head down. Please don't look at me. Please don't look at me. I tend to like to make the early eye contact to make people feel uncomfortable. But there is that, hey, how's it going? Like we we had to make human interaction. Okay, now I can breathe out. What's that golden zone? How far away do you make eye contact when passing another? Second question, kind of the same with distance and and the zone, the golden zone. What's that distance that's acceptable for holding the door? For someone, perhaps this is only, I don't know, maybe this only applies in certain regions of the country. I know down south, we, we hold the door for each other, but how far away is someone? You know, if, if is, it, is it 10 feet? Is it 50 feet? If you see them, if they know that you saw them, like, what are all the variables that go into that? Sometimes do you, do you know that they're back there, but you pretend not to know and you don't look back so that you can just kind of walk on in? Or if someone is holding the the door for you, are you a are you a fast walker? Do you kind of pretend to be walking fast so that in a way to kind of say thank you for doing this? Oh, you didn't have to. What's that distance for holding the door? The last one is is totally unrelated, and I think this is a question Matt Orth posed one time, but but it's a real thing. If you eat yogurt, if you eat yogurt that comes in the little um, containers like Oikos or whatever it is, we get the Aldi brand when it's available. But what do you do with that yogurt water that's on the top? Do you pre-shake 
because if you do, then you've got kind of a mess on the lid, but you're going to avoid the yogurt water. If you just open it, like, do you then dump the yogurt water out or do you take the chance that when you're going to mix it around, you won't like splurp it out of the container? Splurp, there's a word. Anyway, what do you think about those three questions? All right, so we've talked about the first couple significant steps, a step back and then a step in. And so I offer you the, the last or the third entry into significant steps, and that is this step. I mean, of course, all the steps have importance. There's not a right or wrong answer here. These are the fun kinds of questions to deal with. And I, I've changed. I originally offered a step back as, as the one. But if we're talking significance, the steps that are worthy of attention, um, having force or energy, then the only choice is this step. I don't mean that metaphysically, or at least not entirely. I, I've always loved thinking. I love words. Um, Isabel, again, we were listening uh, to Palmetto Rose on the way up to the tennis match yesterday. And, and in that, there's a line that says there was a cross stitched pillow where the headrest went. And I just had to have a moment at the beauty of that sentence riding up with Sydney yesterday, because words and ideas, they, they open up worlds for us to remember and explore further. I have a journal that I refer back to once in a while that, that I kept while I was on a trip out West to the Tetons and Yellowstone. Um, that was an amazing trip. I'll have to talk more about that at some point. But in that journal, I wrote a lot about the concept of beauty with the capital B. I like to put the capital. And it turns out, I guess I really haven't changed my tune a whole lot. Just learned new ways to frame it, which makes sense because these ideas are untamable. And framing them only helps us to be able to, to process parts of them without completely losing our breath in the depths of their overwhelming glory. I suppose I've had a few reformations of my thinking over the decades, but N.T. Wright was certainly a huge part of one of them, along with Wendell Berry and Marilyn Robinson and Matt Orth. And that's what I mean by this step, this step. It's, it's bodily. Wright and Berry and, and, and those others helped reform my thinking away from either or and more towards both and. They helped me to see that this earth, this physicality, this flesh has its own concrete glory and beauty. That what we do matters not for some future destination, but the journey itself, the pain and sorrow and the pleasure and exuberance that this body, this step is worthy of our attention. It's the physical step you take up flights of stairs when the elevator for your friend just isn't an option. Or the steps you take behind a lawnmower because your father-in-law is sick. Or the steps you take to put ice on your ankle, even though it's not your foot that hurts, but your friend who is worried about how cold it's going to be. The steps you take to step up and bring calm and perspective to a a tense group and then lead them to the performance of their lives. 
it's steps we don't understand or, or even make fun of, like the eager steps to go and retrieve a tennis ball that went over the fence at a tennis match. These are This one makes me take another step back and recognize that our steps are all different but have familiar grace. Or the steps you take to create art and song to express your delight and belonging and understanding of another. This step, worthy of attention, significant. This step, now. Dead Poet Society is is one of my favorite movies of all time. That could be a, a question, how do you rate what I would call the the trilogy of of best Robin Williams, you know, Dead Poets, Goodwill Hunting, Patch Adams. I've gone back and forth with all three of those. But there's a scene that, uh, you know, Mr. Keating has his students walking in the courtyard and he ends up using it to illustrate conformity. But but the, but the student who names himself Nuanda, he stays behind. He's just leaning up against a post. And when asked why he's not participating, he claims he's exercising his right not to walk. So yeah, sometimes this step is no step at all. It's being still and knowing, basking in the grace of it all. I'll end with a quote from Robert Persig um, from Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, which I think I'm about to pick back up. And it's a couple paragraphs long, so bear with me. Mountains should be climbed with as little effort as possible and without desire. The reality of your own nature should determine the speed. If you become restless, speed up. If you become winded, slow down. You climb the mountain in an equilibrium between restlessness and exhaustion. Then, when you're no longer thinking ahead, each footstep isn't just a means to an end, but a unique event in itself. This leaf has jagged edges. This rock looks loose. From this place, the snow is less visible, even though closer. These are things you should notice anyway. To live only for some future goal is shallow. It's the sides of the mountain which sustain life, not the top. Here is where things grow. But of course, without the top, you can't have any sides. It's the top that defines the sides. So on we go. We have a long way. No hurry. Just one step after the next with a little Chautauqua for entertainment. Mental reflection is so much more interesting than TV, it's a shame more people don't switch over to it. They probably think what they hear is unimportant, but it never is. Thanks as always for listening to DT Madness. You can make comments or follow along. Uh, through the week at Instagram at DT underscore madness. You can email me if you want at churchofsix at gmail.com. Leave me a comment on one of the platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Podbean. Give me some stars, five if you like. But this episode is brought to you by the Church of Six, by the Bucket of Life, and by the foundation tower of stone. Peace, my friends.